This is Getting to Know Your Bible, a program dedicated to the proclaiming of the good news of Jesus Christ. Here's Billy Lambert. It is a pleasure to be with you today on Getting to Know Your Bible. We do appreciate those of you who are watching today, and especially if you're watching for the first time. Today on our telecast, we want to talk about landlines, landlines, God's landlines, or His landmarks. I hope that you'll stay tuned. Now today, we offer a free Bible correspondence course. The course is designed to aid you in your study of the Bible. We want to make it available to you today. And in order that you might know more about the course, that you might know how to receive it, let's pause for just a moment. To help you in your study of the Bible, we want to send you this Bible correspondence course. This course is non-denominational. It's based on the Bible. It's conducted by mail. And it's free. To receive this course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, Post Office Box 314, Somerdale, Alabama, 365 or call toll-free 1-877-711-5214. I want to read just one passage of Scripture today, and that is found in the 22nd chapter of Proverbs, verse 28. Do not remove the ancient landmark which your fathers have set. I remember one time a neighbor coming to me and he was very concerned. He said there's something wrong with the fence at the back of your property. Your fence is on my property. He said, it's a one foot over on my property. There was a vacant lot behind uh, my house and on the other side of this fence. And according to his calculations and according to what he had learned, the, the fence was over on his property by 12 inches. Well, I assured him that I did not want his 12 inches of ground and and that it wasn't a problem with me unless he wanted me to move the fence. He said, no, I just wanted you to know that it's over on my property. Well, I've seen people get in disputes and, and really have some serious issues because they had disputes about where certain land lines were located. I, I remember a place where I preached and they were going to build a new building in another location and when they went to sell the old building, they found out that the one corner of the building was actually on someone else's property. They had to do some really negotiating to be able to sell that building. You see, landlines are important. And the reference to a landmark or a landline in our text was an important thing. They were taken very seriously. The Romans actually deified the landlines or the landmarks. And the Jews took landmarks very seriously. 
Now, now a landmark was nothing more than perhaps a pile of stones uh, that would indicate where someone else's property ends and where yours began. But listen to these passages from the Old Testament. First of all, from the 19th chapter of Deuteronomy and verse 14. You shall not remove your neighbor's landmark which the men of old have set. So you don't remove your neighbor's landmark. Then Deuteronomy 27 and verse 17, cursed is the one who moves his neighbor's landmark. You see, it'd be very easy to, remo to move it. You could go out during the night and you could take that pile of stones and you could move them and pile them up somewhere else, and thus you'd be removing the landmark. And, and, and that was something that was taken very, very seriously. You know God has his landmarks. God doesn't want us to move his landmarks. God, God had his landmarks even in the Old Testament. And I want to read at least three of verses to you that, that point that out. First of all, from the Old Testament, from Deuteronomy, Chapter 4 and verse number 2. You shall not add to the word which I command you, nor take from it, that you may keep the commandment of the Lord your God, which I command you. So in Deuteronomy chapter 4 and verse 2, the, 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 the people were taught, don't add to the Bible and do not take from it. Uh, because God has his landmark. God has said uh, what he wants man to know, so we're not to tamper with it. Now the next passage is in Proverbs, the 30th chapter, and verse number 6. Do not add to his words, lest he rebuke you, and you be found a liar. It's a serious thing indeed for an individual to add to what God has said. We've learned from these two passages and even in the Old Testament that, that you were not to add to what God said and you were not to take from it. Now the third passage is found in Deuteronomy, the 12th chapter, and in verse 32. Whatever I command you, be careful to observe it. You shall not add to it, nor take away from it. Listen to that. You will not add to it nor take away from it. Ha have you ever heard someone uh, speaking and maybe they were preaching a sermon? And you could tell from the, the way that they were preaching that sermon they had added to it and they had taken from it. That is, they had said something that God never intended to be said in his word or they deleted or, or took away something God said. Well, that's moving the landmark. So in the Old Testament, God's landmarks were not to be moved. Now he has landmarks in the New Testament as well. Let me read just a few of those landmarks to you. First of all, 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 11. Peter there wrote, If any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. In other words, you just say what God said. Don't try to add to it. Do not take from it. Just say what God said. 
Jude 3 says, we're to earnestly contend for the faith which was once for all delivered to the saints. So we're to, to not add to, take away, we're to contend for that which has already been delivered. Now in Galatians, the first chapter, beginning in verse 6, I marvel that you're turning away so soon from him who called you into the grace of Christ to a different gospel, which is not another, but there are some who trouble you and want to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we are an angel from heaven, preach any other gospel to you than that what we have preached to you, let him be accursed. As we've said before, so say uh, again, if anyone preaches any other gospel to you than what you have received, let him be accursed. In other words, if someone tries to preach something to you and you know God did not reveal that in the Bible, then you reject it because that's something that God has not said. In the book of 2 John in verse 9, John wrote, Whosoever goeth onward and abideth not in the doctrine of Christ hath not God. He that abideth in the doctrine of Christ hath both the Father and the Son. So if someone were to take the Bible and they were to add something to it, that is, they go beyond what the Bible teaches, or if they were to take something away from it, they were to take out of the Bible what it teaches, and uh, then, then that person does not have God. If we want to have the Lord on our side, if we want to be in fellowship with God, we want to be in fellowship with uh, Jesus, we want to be in fellowship with the, with the Godhead, then we must abide by what we're taught in the Bible. Now I want you to take your Bibles and turn to the last uh, book in the Bible, and that's the book of Revelation, and turn to chapter 22, verses 18 and 19. For I testify to everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book. Now listen to him now. If anyone adds to these things, God will add to him the plagues that are written in this book. If anyone takes away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part from the book of life, from the holy city, from the things that are written in this book. So again, we're not to add to the Bible. We're not to take away from the Bible. We are to abide by God's landline. There are some landmarks that have been moved. And we need to be aware of that. There is a landmark. The landmark of morality has been moved. There are those in the language of Isaiah chapter 5 and verse 20 who put sweet for bitter and bitter for sweet, who put light for darkness and darkness for light. That is, they have a warped sense of what is right and what is wrong. Today, in the minds of many, there is no standard of what is right and wrong. They determine what they think is right in their own mind. Do what's right in their own eyes. But Solomon, a very wise man, said, There's a way that seems right to a man, but the end thereof may be the way of death. We're living in a day 
when many people have rejected God's standard of what is right and what is wrong. Romans 12 and 9 says, Abhor that which is evil, cleave to that which is good. And there are those that cleave to that which is evil, and they reject that which is good. And that's a warped sense of values. Somebody says, well, Brother Lambert, we're living in a different day. We're living in the 21st century. And when they say that, they assume that because we live in the 21st century and that they are so sophisticated, so intellectual, so highly trained, that then they can determine in their own mind what's right and what's wrong. As one person said, no one is up there telling me what's right and what to, what's wrong, telling me what to do. And many people live their lives today just that way. But there is still a God in heaven, Daniel 2.28, who is the one who has set the landmark, the landmark of what is right and what is wrong. Somebody says, but it's different today, Brother Lambert. It's different today. Well, let me ask you, who says so? A man's son came home after staying out all night. He had been out with his girlfriend. He, he, he spent the night with her, and his father was rebuking him for it. He said, Daddy, things are different today. They're different today. And my question is, who says so? Is it some teenager who says things are different? Is it some college student who says things are different? Is it some professor in some university who says things are different? Is it some uh, uh, preacher somewhere who says things are different? Is it some um, news magazine that says things are different? Is it somebody that's in the legislature who says things are different? Is it somebody else in some high place that says things are different? Is it somebody in Hollywood who says things are different? Who is it? that determines things are different today and that we do not have to abide by God's standard of what is right and what is wrong. Some things now are always right. Some things are always right. It is always right to tell the truth. It is always right to pray. It is always wrong, a right to, to read the Bible. It is always right to worship God. See, I can't think of a time that those things would not be right. Some things are always wrong. It's always wrong to murder. It is always wrong to tell a lie. It is always wrong to steal. It is always wrong to be a drunkard. Some things are always wrong. And we need to ask ourselves, who am I going to believe? Am I going to believe what a man says? Or am I going to believe God? You see, this is one of God's landmarks that's been moved. Another landmark of God that has been moved is, is a landmark relative to Jesus Christ. Some would deny Jesus' sonship. They say Jesus was a good man. He was a prophet. But there wasn't anything special about Jesus. He wasn't divine. He wasn't the son of God. And so they have demoted Christ in that regard. But in Romans, the first chapter in verse 4, 
The Bible says that he is declared to be the Son of God with power according to the spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead. Declared to be the Son of God. But there are those who deny that. I want to read to you now from 1 John chapter 2 and verse 22. Who is a liar but he that denieth that Jesus is the Christ? Why, John says those that deny Jesus is the Christ not telling the truth. Then he goes on. He is antichrist that denieth the Father and the Son. Sometimes people get all excited about who the Antichrist is. Well, this identifies the Antichrist. And I can tell you the Antichrist is not what some preachers say it is. It says he is Antichrist that denieth the Father and the Son. Because to deny the Father is to deny the Son. To deny the Son is to deny the Father. And when you deny the Father, you deny the Son, you are against them. That's what anti-Christ actually means, that you are against Christ. You've rejected Christ. And thus that landmark of God has been moved relative to who Jesus actually is. Why men ought to know Jesus Christ as the Son of God? For first of all, by, by the life that he lived. He lived a life as no other person has ever been able to do. He lived a perfect life. Hebrews 4.15 says, We have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was tempted at all points like as are we, yet without sin. He was without sin. Men could tell that Jesus was God's son by the life he lived. They could tell he was God's son by the, by the works that he performed by the miracles that he did. In John the third chapter and verse two, Nicodemus said, we know thou art a teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with him. In other words, God is with him, and that's how that, that one would know that Jesus was a man sent from God. As a matter of fact, on the day of Pentecost in Acts the second chapter, Peter said in the 22nd verse, Ye men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man approved of God among you by miracles, wonders, and signs which God did by him in the midst of you as ye yourselves also know. And so men could know Jesus was the Christ by his life, by his, by his miracles, and then there was his resurrection from the dead. And that was the crowning proof that Jesus was the Christ. As I read early in Romans 1, 4, declared to be the Son of God by the resurrection from the dead. And no one has been able to disprove Jesus' resurrection. And I've often thought if there was a place, time, and people to disprove the resurrection of Jesus, it certainly would have been the day of Pentecost in the second chapter of Acts. 
because these were the people who had cried out for the blood of Jesus, crucify him. This was the place, the time, the people. And when Peter began to preach that Jesus has been raised from the dead, no one produced his body to disprove what Peter was saying because they did not have his body. He had been raised from the dead by God's divine power. And so that landmark relative to who Jesus is has been moved. Another landmark of God that has been moved is a landmark relative to marriage and the home. God is the one who created the home in the very beginning of time. God saw that it was not good for the man to be alone. So it took a rib from the side of the man, and from the rib he made the woman. And when the woman was presented to the man, he said, This is now bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. And she shall be called woman, for she was taken out of man. And for this cause shall a man leave his father and his mother and cleave to his wife, or be joined to his wife, and they too shall be one flesh. That was the first home. And when God created a companion for the man, he created a woman for the man. He did not create a man for the man. He created a woman for the man. And that was God's intention. When God created man and woman, in Genesis 1 and 26 and 28, he said we created them male and female. Later in the 19th chapter of Matthew, when Jesus Christ had reference to this, he said, have you not read that he which made them in the beginning made them male and female? Male and female. And so that was God's design for the home. And it is God's intention that in the home there be a male and a female. In 1 Corinthians, the 7th chapter, and in verse 2, there the Bible says that uh, uh, every man should have his own wife and every wife should have her own husband. So there is to be a husband, there is to be a wife, there is to be a man, and there is to be a woman. And they are to be married for life, for life. I want to read to you now from the 19th chapter of Matthew, starting in verse 3. The Pharisees came to him, testing him, saying, Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for just any reason? And he answered and said to them, Have you not read that he who made them at the beginning made them male and female? They said, For this reason, and he said, this, For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother, be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So then they're no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let not, man put, uh, let not man separate. And there is no one who has a right to separate what God's joined together. Then they ask this question, why then did Moses command to give a certificate of divorce and to put her away? Jesus' answer in verse 8 was, Moses, because of the hardness of your hearts, permitted you to divorce your wives, but from the beginning it was not so. You see, these people wanted to point back to Moses. Jesus said, I'm going to take you all the way back to the beginning. 
And in the beginning, that was not the way God wanted it to be. Jesus pointed to the time that God made them male and female, and it was for life. And, what, and when God joins a man and a woman together, no one has a right to separate that. We have people that are trying to move God's landmark today relative to marriage and the home. And we are told that we can have those of the same sex to be married. Let me tell you, marriage is not made in a courthouse. It's not made in the White House. It's not made in any house. Marriages are made in heaven. It is God who joins them together. Oh, we may assist them in carrying out the legal aspect that's required in, in, in the land, but God is the one who joins them together. In God's plan, one man, one woman for life. But then another of God's landmarks that has been moved is relative to when an individual is saved who is to be saved, and what must they do to be saved? Of course, the time is now. Someone says, well, maybe later. No, God's time is now. Today is the day of salvation. And all men can be saved. God would have all men to be saved. 1 Timothy 2, 4. And, but the fact is, all men will not be saved because all men will not obey the Lord. And for God to save an individual, they must believe in the Lord. They must repent of their sins. They must confess their faith in Christ. They must be baptized into Christ for the remission of those sins. Acts chapter 2 and verse 38 says, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And so we are to obey the gospel, and men have changed that. And they said, well, you know, all you need to do is just fall down on your knees and call on the Lord. Someone says all you need to do is just say, Lord, Lord, save me. But Jesus said, Jesus said, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. Friends, I, I don't want to put my soul in jeopardy by changing that, do you? I don't want to change God's landline, his landmark. Remove not the landmark which your fathers have said. Let's abide by what God says in his word. I want to thank you for watching today. And until we meet again, may the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you is my prayer. Getting to Know Your Bible has been presented by Churches of Christ. If you have a question about the church, or if you would like the location of a Church of Christ near you, or to receive the free Bible course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, Post Office Box 314, Somerdale, Alabama, 
3-6-5-8-0. Or call 1-877-711-5214. Join us next time for Getting to Know Your Bibles.